Hello and welcome to Oats for Breakfast. Oats for Breakfast is affiliated with The Socialist Project, an eco-socialist organization based in Toronto. I'm Sia. And my name is Omer. Today we're talking to Herman Rosenfeld, who's a member of Free Transit Toronto, and TTC Riders, as well as The Socialist Project, men of many hats. So we're talking to Herman today about a, a book chapter he wrote, or the conversation is based on a book chapter he wrote, in a book called Free Public Transit, or Why We Don't Pay to Ride Elevators. The book is edited by Judith Delheim and Jason Prince, and Herman has a chapter in the book about the free transit campaign in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So in this interview, uh, Herman talks about talks to us about his efforts trying to obtain free transit in Toronto and also speaks of the necessity to link radical movements with transit activism. Yeah, so we talked to Herman about the the state of public transit in Toronto, which as anyone who's ever ridden on transit in Toronto uh, probably knows is uh, is not the greatest. No, it sucks. I was just taking the subway this morning. Were you taking the subway this morning? Yeah, it was awful. What happened? Okay, so basically, I'm trying to get to your place to record this podcast, and literally the subway is stopping in between every single stop for like 10 minutes. So there was no excuse given, there was no justification for why. All we had, the only thing we had was a robot, Mm -hmm. you know, a female robot Mm -hmm. over the PA, right? Just, Mm -hmm. you know, asking for our forgiveness for the inconvenience, and did, no explanation given. Did you given. give your forgiveness? I did not. I do not excuse the TTC. How long did it take you? <laughs> so what should have taken me 45 minutes probably took me over an hour. Over an hour? That's, uh, that's <laughs> a good day. Hour. That's a good day on <laughs> What are your TTC horror stories, Umer? Well, I share one in in the during the interview, so people will get to hear that. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and... Um, we in general we talked to yeah Herman about these kinds of problems on the uh, on our transit system, the TTC of course being the Toronto Transit Commission for those people who don't live in Toronto. Who doesn't live in Toronto? Uh, people who live outside <laughs> Toronto don't live in Toronto. So we talked to him about uh, the problems, but we also try to talk to him about how to actually try to address these from the standpoint of a grassroots movement and. And how to go about perhaps, you know, making it so that transit in the city is no longer seen as a commodity, but is treated like a, a public service. So, you know, the announcements that are often on uh, the TTC, they'll usually start with something like, attention TTC customers. That's right. Yeah. Not TTC comrades. No. Or TTC I, well, citizens. I think it should just be passengers. <laughs> uh, For now. Well... <laughs> But of course, the idea that we're, you know, that somehow we're customers, that this isn't a public service, it always annoys me. So we, we talked to uh, Herman just generally about how we try to think about and try to do something about this in strategic terms, how to link the transit movement or movement for better transit to a broader socialist struggle. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot in this interview, and I think people will hopefully find it useful. 
yeah. So okay. So should we cut to the interview? Yeah, we'll cut to the interview with her. Today we're sitting down with Herman Rosenfeld, who is a transit activist, active with Free Transit Toronto. He has recently published a, a chapter in a new book called Free Public Transit. Welcome to the uh, Oats for Breakfast, Herman. Thanks so much for coming in. I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much, Omer and Asya. A lot of people don't really consider transit something that should be a public utility, such as healthcare or libraries or something. So, I mean, what brought you to think that transit should be free? Like, why do you feel like it should be free of cost? I was in this organization that we all built called the Greater Toronto Workers' Assembly, and we were looking to do a, a have our own county campaign. And um, the idea was floated, I forget who it was, that we should think about uh, arguing that transit should be free. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the sense of non-commodifying, because basically, even when the transit agencies all across North America, they talk about transit users, they use the term customers. It's like they do with hydro. Yeah, but you why know? shouldn't we be customers? Because we're getting, you know, we're, we're buying a ride, just like we're buying a taxi ride. Like, why should transit be any different? Well, we shouldn't be buying a ride. It, it, should, be, it should be a service. And why? It's because the right to mobility... Um, should be something that's not mediated by uh, by how much money you have in your pocket. Mm. Um, it, it it like libraries or, or Medicare medical care. It's a critical part of what you do. In particular, people in the lower rung of the labor market, they um, they do everything by public transit. You go to shopping, visit relatives, go to work. All of the elements of of life are deter- are, are based upon public transit. And uh, these are people who can afford it least. On the other hand, <clears throat> there's the, the environmental question in the, in the sense that uh, one of the critical ways of, of, most critical ways of addressing, that you can in a city, of, of addressing climate change is by moving away from dependence on private cars and moving to public transit. But if this is something you're, you're, that's commodified, then you have an issue. And transit is, in Toronto in particular, like 70% of the operations of transit, public transit in Toronto are funded by the fare box. So this is ingrained in people's thinking that I have to pay for this, that this is uh, this is um, um, a commodity. So yeah, we do pay a lot for transit in Toronto. As you said, it's 70% of the cost of transit in the cities comes from transit users. The operation, tra- right. operations of transit. Um, and it's still really shitty. So yesterday, I rode the 41 Kiel bus. It's about a 10 kilometer ride. It took an hour and 20 minutes. Now, I come from a poor country and I can tell you <laughs> that I have been on donkey carts that move faster. <laughs> yeah, but Umer, like, why should people who are richer than you, who worked their whole lives to buy a car? Well, pay, you know, a lot of them were also, your... they were also stuck in traffic in the same way that this bus was stuck in traffic for an hour and 20 minutes. My life goal is to get a fancy car so I can sit in traffic. Well, there, yeah, I mean, you're, you're <laughs> describing, I mean, there's a 41, there's the Dufferin bus, there's the, uh, the Jane bus, there's the Finch bus, there's a whole series of buses, or, and not to mention the bus, buses you depend on Scarborough, that, uh, that it's lousy, not to mention the breakdowns in the subway. But, um, yeah, it, uh, <clears throat> they don't spend enough money on transit. You uh, also know that Toronto has, has one of the, most, the, the, the worst traffic jams 
And uh, that's not going to be cured by building more uh, more roads. You've got to build more public transit. Speaking of, yeah, like uh, I think the overcrowding problem in, in Toronto especially is really insane. Uh, it's gotten to a point where it's like extremely dangerous. I remember a couple months ago, it was just a normal day, a normal commuting day, and the main downtown stops were completely overcrowded. It was like a apocalyptic <laughs> image. Like someone took pictures from a bird's eye view and there's just like... People just like slammed up against each other. And um, but to back to the thing about uh, about public transit being free, is that the idea of this being a service is it takes a while before people get used to this thinking about this. Even just building a transit activist movement in in Americans and Canadian cities is is difficult because people aren't used to seeing this as something they can organize around. Uh, you know, it's 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 part of the passivity that you develop. Because you got so many other issues, particularly people in the lower rungs of the labor market, housing, jobs, uh, um, a whole series of things, healthcare, access to healthcare, a whole series of things make it difficult quite often for people to say, hey, we can build around transit, let alone free transit. Plus the, the idea of that people know in their gut that it would cost a lot of social resources, taxes would have to pay for this. It's interesting. People are so tied to uh, to the idea of public medicine, of, of, of Medicare, and they, they, they get that. But getting that in other areas um, isn't really there, and it's part of what needs to happen. When you talk to people about free transit and you, you, you talk about the idea that, well, maybe it's possible for transit to be free just to, when you go into a doctor's office or you go in a hospital, you don't have to pay for it. Um, generally people aren't, they don't think it's a pie in the sky idea. They actually think, well, this, this is actually, this actually makes sense. So I think at the level of public consciousness, you could very well, you know, have this idea be accepted, but that doesn't mean that it's going to get, you know, actually implemented. So what's, what's the, what's the problem there? Why doesn't public consciousness translate into political change? So yes, people are very open to the idea of, of, of free transit or nominal transit, a cost transit. But once you talk about what it costs, it means a shift. It's, and, and so it's sort of like it's an opportunity to actually do education with people around the kind of change that's, that's necessary, you know, in terms of paying for things. Because, I mean, uh, public transit, um, it, it, the operations of public transit is, it costs like a, a, a billion and a half dollars, and it's two billion dollars rather, um, yearly, and a billion and a half is paid for at the, uh, through paying at the uh, turnstile. And uh, that has to be replaced, which means you're going to, ha- you have to argue that raising the tax, you know, uh, tax base of, of wealthy people, of things like an income tax in the city, which they have in a number of cities in North, North America. Um, we, we have to be in a position where you can actually have conversations with people of, of those things. But Herman, like, yes. I, I feel like a lot of people would say, well, I'm already strapped for, for cash, right? They'll just be like, I can't afford more taxes. How, how would you respond to that? Because it could apply not just to transit, it could apply to anything. What do you say when, when people say, well, I am... You know, I, my income is stagnant, it's lower, I got a lousy job, or, uh, you know, I have a job, I'm worried about losing it. All of the reasons why um, components of working class people would support for right-wing populace. A lot of people who are poor mm-hmm. and the lower incomes are, are believe uh, ideologically that if you raise ta- even if you raise taxes from the wealthy, it's bad because somehow it'll trickle down to them. The issue, I think, is that you've got to raise people's incomes, too. 
This is mm. part of this. Okay. So it's got to be time. All these things, the way people think, I think the way working people think is, is not like in little boxes. They're all, these things are tied together, just like we all think this way. So I think that part of the answer is that you got to address the things that are holding people's incomes back. Yeah. And so I think in terms of unionization and in terms of jobs, a whole series of things that you have to flip, flip the coin around uh, in terms of movement. So this movement, a movement of this kind can't just be out there because if it is, it will stay out there. What do you mean by out there? Well, it's, there's got to be other movements, which are, which oh. are similar kinds of movements right. that happen, including a, a more a deeper political movement. People who are who are um, who live on low incomes, most of those people don't have cars, and when they do, they aspire to a car because they have shitty experiences with public transit. But buses or whatever subways are used for everything. The question is, what kind of quality are they getting? Why do they have to pay for all of that? I mean, part of this is to is to create. The kind of public transit that is affordable, but also is um, is is good. It does isn't the kind of shit we're saying. So it means radical investment in places like that in transit deserts now, where people who need it most get the least access to it. You said there needs there needs to be a free transit movement. There needs to be other movements, and then there needs to be a deeper political movement. And I think this connects to the the question I asked earlier about you know public consciousness or the potential for public the public to come on board with a free transit idea, not translating into political change. And you said the, the your response was, well, it's an issue about taxes. But is it just about taxes or is there something? I mean, can free transit be detached from a broader uh, left political project? You need, you need a left movement which poses questions about everything that's a public service should be decommodified. That's a lot of the economy should be decommodified. Housing has to be decommodified to a certain extent. Public housing, you know, I mean, public and cooperative housing has to be something that's desirable. I mean, right now in Toronto, public housing is roach infested. That's it's horrible. Right. I don't that's, that has to be. And how do you change? Those are all part of movements to change those things. I mean, public housing and uh, wasn't didn't come from God. You know, uh, in Vienna, everything it's, comes uh, from God. It's, it's <laughs> dropping down from the uh, dropping down from the sure sky. I'm pretty sure that's how it happened, though, Herman. Is it? Well, maybe, <laughs> but through the agency of people and political organization, wherever its origins, ultimate origins are. But um, yeah, you need it, it, one of the experiences I think that we've had is that we talked, we 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 did some really interesting things. We had rallies. But it doesn't have resonance with people if you don't have a political movement which is also talking about why things should be decommodified, why working class people should, uh, their income should, should be increased at the expense of the wealthy, why jobs and housing and, and other things like uh, if you build like new, good new transit in some places, like if they build a, uh, an LRT at, an, on the Finch line or uh, this LRT network that's, that people are fighting for on the left in, uh, in Scarborough, that it automatically raises uh, housing prices and it could lead to gentrification as it does as a subway. And, and so the people who need it most get priced out. That has to be part of what you're organizing against or for creating communities that, that are affordable housing that's, uh, that's affordable around these transit lines. But also um, uh, community uh, uh, benefits that, uh, I don't mean the, you know just the, the tra- job training, but I mean having a community uh, things that, that, that people who, can, who, who aren't just uh, upper middle class folks can enjoy. 
right? There's nothing that says that working class communities that have to be, uh, you know, downtrodden, poor. They can provide all kinds of interesting uh, leisure services and stuff, but that needs to be part of a political culture that's built. And we don't really have that kind of political culture, which is back to the problem in terms of, of, of building a... Uh, a public, uh, a free public transit movement, it has to be tied to a larger political movement of some way, some kind, to get at some of these issues. And some of the issues are not just taxes, but in terms of the resources, the public sector, public public spending, rather than just private spending. And because mm-hmm. uh, the appeal of the right is is always, we want to put more money in your pocket so you'll be able to to buy things. Well, when the things you're buying are are, per, you know, personal commodities, it means. It means they're, they'll be more, they're more expensive, but also it, it creates a certain attitude, not to mention the fact that the jobs that are created in producing those things are crappy jobs. They're, crap, they're the jobs for the kids of people who are buying these things. So right. public transit is, is, can't be completely separated out from these other items. Some people might think, well, why don't we just raise fares and then get better transit? I understand there's some places in the Far East that have a higher percentage, a fair percentage. and um, You mean like Singapore? That's right. The places which are free uh, um, free markets uh, dominate certain kinds of ways of looking at things. But no, you can't. You can't pay it off from the, the fare box. Why? It, because it's too expensive. It's I too mean, expensive? Yeah, it's too expensive. It means uh, you, you have to pay for uh, upkeep, which they're not, you know, you need more buses. You need to, to upgrade the, you know, Subway subway system, so they uh, so they uh, can have more in a shorter period of time. And plus, you need to build massively. And do you think that a good a good parallel between like do you think healthcare and transit are similar in that sense? Like, so for example, healthcare, if we were to pay for it on an individual basis, would be thousands of dollars per you know standard treatment that you would get in a hospital, for example. Is it kind of the same idea that it's affordable if it's subsidized or funded entirely by government, because then you can bring costs down by, you know, creating this this uh, this this basically regulated market for it. Transit is subsidized now. The subsidy is just very low. That both the the city pays the city also pays a certain uh, percentage of uh, a certain amount of of money per per user per year. But, but I think what Asia is is, yeah. is referring to is the uh, the the cost of transportation is you know when you include uh, things like private automobiles is much higher in a place like Canada where you know people rely on on private automobiles as opposed to public transit just like in the U.S. where people have to get private insurance for healthcare the overall spending on on healthcare uh, is much higher with worse outcomes too yeah yeah I can't disagree that that. That's, that's really true. I was thinking more just in terms of um, you can't pay for, even if you're just talking about public transit, you can't pay for its building and you can't pay, pay for its maintenance simply on the basis of fares. It needs a massive infusion now just to make it better. Mm-hmm. And it would need a massive, an even more a massive infusion if you had free transit, but you'd have more people using it. In the places that there's one place in the world that a city, which I don't know if you read about Tallinn, yeah, Estonia. Yeah. yeah. So how did that happen? It has uh, it was a it was a, a reform oriented government, and it wasn't because there was a mass movement there. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, in a lot of Eastern European countries, which aren't the most progressive, ones, like Poland, for example, there are moves towards there are movements towards free or very uh, dramatically lower transit, mm-hmm. and we're not talking about progressive movements. Then I want to ask about that because yeah. uh, 
here, I mean, I think you're trying to, you're posing yeah. free transit as a, a, a left-wing or yeah. socialist demand. Yeah. And it's not necessarily that, is it? No, it's like public Medicare. Public Medicare wasn't was 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 uh, supported was put in by social democrats, not by radicals. You don't need socialism to have uh, to have uh, you know uh, you need you don't need to get rid of private ownership of the major means of production in order to have uh, a free public transit any right. more than you need it for uh, for Medicare. But no, but I I think as a as a specific demand, I mean you know you could bring small businesses on board. Uh, and say, well, you know, you're going to have people riding around transit much more, and people are going to be shopping, and and definitely, you know, so but it's not only them, yeah. but it's also people who who use transit who are well off, because you want everybody to use public right. transit. So Some then, of why, whom so then believe why, in, why as a socialist then raise the issue of free transit when it can it can so easily be sort of worked into a, a well, it could be if we, if we weren't living in this neoliberal era where uh, austerity is a dominant uh, way of looking at world, the mm-hmm. world, at least in our city. Mm-hmm. And um, the question of paying for things socially and delivering things socially is, is, is seen as um, way out there. So are you saying that it's necessary to carry a radical element in transit activism because we live in a neoliberal era and we have to push back even harder? Like, what's the point of even coming out? You know, Free Transit Toronto, as far as I understand, is a socialist campaign and explicitly anti-capitalist socialist group. So why do you have to do that? Like, are you gaining, um, are you losing a bit by presenting yourself as a radical group? Or what are you gaining from doing that? Well, we don't say that one is, that you need socialism or, or to, to have this. In fact, some of the people who are in activists are not active socialists; they're progressive people. But like, I, I think the main reason why it, this tends to have this radical component to it is that if we didn't have medical care for t- today, for example, we had private medical care, it would probably have to be tied the demand to a much more radical movement. Look in the U.S. Right, the people that are pushing for it. You have moderate social democrats like uh, Bernie Sanders, but you also have people on the hard left because. The conservative idea is getting crusted. Well, so is the free transit group that you're a part of, Free Transit Toronto, is that just a Trojan horse to build a socialist organization? Well, no. But, I mean, what do you mean a Trojan horse? (laughs) People in this... It's like that story. I know this. Believe me, I know the story (laughs) in the sense that, uh, no, I mean, uh, you can't build that way. Um, there are people who really, the people who are involved are people who believe in it. Some people who are uh, young people who are just starting out as activists. Some really people who have been involved in a number of good left political movements, some intellectuals. Um, I don't know where it's going to go. I'm not sure. We, we're, we're, we're trying now is to um, have a series of forums which will get this out there and see if we can attract more people to, to, to be part of it. I, I can see if things work, that we can, and not so much in the free transit, but I mean, I'd like to see thousands of people in a transit movement across the city. But we're, we, don't, we don't quite know how to do this. And plus, you have different movements, you know, like OCAP, you have this movement, you have ACORN, which deals with, and now you have this layer of social Democrats. The Transit Workers Union, that's another area. They, they've been like this business union, which never said anything politically about anything. And now people are starting to come out of the woodwork as activists. So I think we're still in an early era in terms of these movements. But 
I certainly agree that unless we have some kind of a bigger political, you know, movement to actually change things, and I don't mean just social democrats running to make things a bit better, although they're better than the conservatives, then um, then it's going to be tough to make this go where we want to go. On the other hand, uh, that's part of what we're trying to build. Well, I guess only time will tell. Okay. Um, thank you so much, Herman, for joining yeah, us okay. on this podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our challenging questions. Oh, so us nine questions as well. There are challenges. Those, those yeah. are some of the good questions you have to ask. It is difficult to figure out a balance between activism for attainable goals, such as reducing trans transit fares, and then active activism towards geared towards a broader purpose of decommodifying entire services and you know changing the political system overall. And you know activists on the ground are really struggling with these questions. Um, and I, I feel like this struggle is still something we're working through, you know, as an organization, as Socialist Project. Speaking of the Socialist Project. Um we will be hosting an event related to public transit soon. It's on the subject of transit justice in the inner suburbs. Yep, it'll be on October 13th at 1 p.m. at the Downsview Public Library. Yeah, and uh, so we'll get to talk about a bit more about uh, these issues that we discussed in the interview, as well as how to actually go about trying to build a transit campaign that can bring about transit justice. So if you're tired of complaining about your transit over Twitter, why not come out? complain in person no hashtags required right okay so um that's it for the show for today if you'd like to learn more you can hit us up at socialistproject.ca and you can email us at podcast at socialistproject.ca as well if you want to email us if you want to support our podcast please go to patreon.com forward slash oats for breakfast and this time around uh i think what we'll do is we'll give away uh, a free copy of free transit toronto to one of our patrons so that's extra incentive to become a patron yeah it's a really great book um it doesn't just have things about toronto it has um information about transit struggles and transit more broadly all across the world yeah and his historical cases as well and so a couple of really great chapters that look at transit overall about you know what transit means more broadly in our lives okay so thanks again for listening thanks everyone bye bye